It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. So nice that we do it twice over at RossTucker.com or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. How about the guest we have today? Matthew Barry, the most well-known fantasy player on the planet. Most well-known fantasy analyst over at ESPN. Can't wait for you to hear Matthew Barry's story. It's remarkable for those of you that don't know it. We have, as good as Matthew Barry is, we have, in my humble opinion, the best fantasy analyst in the galaxy. Even if he's not as well-known as Matthew Barry, he's Evan Silva. From rotoworld.com. Evan, thank you as always for being a part of the show. Make sure you're checking him out on Twitter at Evan Silva. This is when Evan and Rotoworld really thrives. It's blurb season, baby. There are blurbs coming down all day, every day. Make sure you are checking him out on social media. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook is facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL and the channel for all the podcasts that we have for you, like even money as for the gambling people, Ross Tucker football podcast. You can check them all out at RTF podcast is that Twitter handle as well. Before you even get into the Matthew Barry stuff, I want to make sure you guys all have squad QL. Scotty Boyd just sent me an email. He got the squad QL app. He's going to be in the next uh, fantasy feast league by the way i will announce the final contestant during the show tomorrow the final contestant for the july best ball draft i will announce tomorrow so you can still win i haven't picked it yet or you can already start to try to get into the season-long fantasy feast eaten league season-long baby we'll do that draft at the end of August. So it's time. It is football time, and it's time for you guys to get in on some of these drafts. And when you do, make sure you have the Squad QL app. It's the only app you need to dominate your fantasy football season this year. They got it for baseball, of course. The app optimizes fantasy football and baseball teams, suggests trades, And free agent ads drops. So it's an app that basically is like your personal consultant going over your league and giving you advice. It's amazing. It's changing the game. You can sync your ESPN, CBS, and Yahoo leagues right to the app and optimize your lineup, create transactions, and get trade suggestions all right in the app. Squad QL app. Absolutely Awesome. Almost as awesome, Evan, Matthew Barry. I was able to catch up with him recently at the NFFC. Next meal. Really excited to be able to talk to Matthew Barry today from ESPN. So, Matthew, I think everybody sees you on TV and everybody's aware of who you are. And I'm sure you've been asked this other times, but... Give me your background, man. Where, huh. where, where are you from? Okay. And how did you know? What were you doing before you became, you know, one of the biggest fantasy experts in the world? Um, 
grew up in College Station, Texas. Really? Yeah, my dad teaches at Texas A&M University, still does to this day. My mom is a former mayor of College Station. So I uh, grew up in College Station, Texas, went to Syracuse University, go Q's. And uh, because you wanted to get into broadcasting. I wanted to get into broad, wanted to actually be a yeah I mean I wanted to be um, uh, get into uh, not broadcasting like sports broadcasting but more like I wanted to be in Hollywood like TV and film and so uh, you know whatever the my guidance counselor that year that book you know said that the Newhouse School at Syracuse had the best communication school in the country at the okay. and it's a very good school so I went to Syracuse um, graduated there. Moved out to Los Angeles to become a movie and sitcom writer. Wow. Uh, you know, spent like, whatever, two years, you know, getting lunches and answering phones, but eventually broke in. And But I've been playing fantasy sports since I was 14 years old. And How old are you? Uh, I'm 48. 30 years? 30 years. So 1988? Yeah. Uh, actually, I mean... Uh, I've been I've been playing no since no uh, so thirty three years thirty four years so I'm forty eight fourteen uh, thirty four years wow thirty four years so I yeah uh, my first fantasy league was a fantasy baseball league in nineteen eighty four wow like you kept kept stats by hand yeah. and like um, in fact I've written about this before but uh, I had read the you know these, there was an original book called the Rotisserie League Baseball Book written by the the founding fathers a guy named Dan Okrent and, and Glenn Wagner and the the people that created the game and. Uh, I had read this book, and I, I was a pretty good tennis player, and I used to take tennis lessons. And so I'm going to this this tennis uh, tennis lesson, and my tennis coach is talking to what I later learned is his best friend, and they're talking this kind of weird, strange language. And I said, I went up to him and said, are you guys talking about rotisserie league baseball? <laughs> and they're like, you've heard of it? And I'm like, yeah, you guys have? Because I'd read this book that right. had just come out. And so they it was like a bunch of like 25 to 30-year-olds and I'm 14 years old, but they needed one guy. Like back, I mean, this is 1984. Like not, you know, fantasy right. wasn't very popular back then. People didn't even know what it was. So it was me and then all these like 25 to 30-year-old guys in this league at 14. Um, they just needed one last guy for the league, a 10-team league. And uh, I joined it. And I, I later ended up getting to meet Glenn Wagner and Dan Okrent. And we talked it through. And uh, that league was one of the first 50 fantasy baseball leagues in America. Uh, and it's a league that continues to this day, 34 years later. And so, um, anyway, what I've been playing since, like I said, been playing since I was 14. In 1999, I'm living in Hollywood and uh, Roto World. Yeah. Site Roto World. Our mutual friend Evan Silva, yeah. obviously, does a great job over there. So, Roto World was um, uh, advertising for writers. And this is back in the day when, you know, CompuServe and Prodigy and, you know, AOL, wow. you've got mail, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. it was an exciting, that was a new thing. Like, oh my goodness, I can, I, I got an email. Wow, that's so cool. Like yeah. it was a novel thing to get an email. That's how long ago it was. And uh, they said, we're looking for fantasy writers for, to write for Roto World. And I wrote them and I said, hey, I'm a professional writer living out here in Hollywood, but fantasy sports is my passion. I love it. And I think it would be so much fun just to do a column on the side. Can I try out? Can I send you a column? And they wrote me back the next day and said, we looked you up on IMDb. Married with Children is our favorite show of all time. You're hired. So because I wrote on Married with Children, I got You wrote it. for Married with Children? I wrote for Married with Children. For how long? Uh, for one year. I wrote 28 episodes. So wrote how many? on 28 episodes. I specifically wrote five uh, personally, but I worked on 28 episodes of so, the show. Okay, so how does that work? How many writers does a show like that have? Uh, I think we had eight or nine. We, wow. It's called a writer's room. Every sitcom has a writer's room. 
and uh, yeah, you, you and all so sit you, around. You, you all sit around and you you pitch jokes and um, you come up with stories together. And even when it says, if you watch a sitcom and it says written by so and so, but if you watch the credits and it's like story editor, supervising producer, co-producer, consulting producer, that kind of stuff, those are all writers. Those are all people that are, uh, for the most part, people that are in the in the writer's room and, and, and coming up with jokes and coming up with storylines and, and beats. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, there are there's only five episodes of Married with Children that say written by Matthew Barry. Actually, right. Matthew Barry and Eric Abrams, who's my writing partner uh, at the time. But, um, you know, there, there are jokes or story ideas of or things of mine in, in 28 different episodes. But how episodes. do you get credit for those five? How do they decide who to the get way, credit the way, for that? The way it works is, is that so you, you sit around in a room and you come up with an idea. Yeah. And so, like, here's one that we did. Um, uh, at the time we were, we were there, and I, I don't know if you remember this. this is, again, this goes back a while. But yeah, I don't remember Kathy Lee Gifford had, like, a shoe company or something like that. And it came out that, like, the shoes that, or that she endorsed, some sort of, she had a shoe that she either endorsed or, or was connected to and somehow. And it came out, or there was a report that this, the shoes were being made by underprivileged children in a third world country. And it became this yeah, controversy for, for uh, Kathy Lee Gifford. So anyway, so I remember we were sitting in the room. We're all trying to come up with ideas. And I said, what if, I don't know if you remember, Al worked at a shoe, stop called, a shoe yes. store called Gary Shoes, right? Yes. And I said, what if it comes out that uh, all of Gary's shoes are made by immigrant children in a third world country? So, uh, so Al goes to investigate, but it turns out all the immigrant kids make more money than he does. <laughs> so that was the pitch. I just said that in the room. And, uh, and everyone laughed, and they said, great, let's do it. And so then we all, so the, the, the executive producer, uh, a woman named Pam Eels, uh, said, okay, that's great. And then will you start fleshing it out? Okay, what's the first scene? What's the second scene? What happens? What's the act break? How does it resolve itself? And, um, like, in, in that particular episode, it ended up getting made. But anyway, so everyone sort of fleshes it out and comes up with ideas. And this is how Marcy could do it. And this is what Peg's role would be in the, right. in the show and et cetera, et cetera. And we need to come up with another storyline. So what, what are, like, you know, what are Kelly and Bud going to be doing? And, um, and so you sort of you whiteboard it out and you come up with a beat. And then basically, because that was my particular pitch, uh, you know, Pam said, all right, Matthew and Eric, you guys go write that episode. So we, we would come up with an outline based on everyone's suggestions, and we turn in the outline, and then everyone would go over and say, like, eh, I don't think you need this scene, or, hey, seems like Kelly's a little light in the scene, or, hey, Bud feels weird in this scene, or something like that. Everyone just sort of gives notes, and you all sort of decide as a group, and then you go off and write a first draft, come back in two weeks and say, like, hey, here's, here's the first version of the draft, and then you go over it, and you're like, hey, can we beat this joke by, you know... Can we beat Al's joke here? Hey, it feels like this wow. is a repeated beat in this scene. We don't really need this. And, you, like, you go through it um, beat by beat. And so, uh, yeah. So, anyway, I, I did that for a number of years. And uh, I, I, so uh, they, they asked me to, uh, because I wrote on Married with Children, uh, I got the opportunity right for free for an Internet website that no one had heard of called at the Roto time. World. Roto, called Roto World. I mean, it's obviously a huge <laughs> site now. but at Because the time, they love the show. Because they love the show. Uh, I think I'm a pretty good writer. And um, after four and a half years, uh, I'd become so popular. I was making $50 a column. I don't want to brag, but I was making $50 a column at, at uh, uh, four and a half years later. And um, 
I so you did it for four and a half years, making nothing to yeah, 50 Yeah, I mean, it was, just, it was a passion. It was just something I loved to do on the side. Right. And I developed, a, I thought, a big enough following, and I'm, I'm doing a very short version of the story. Right. Uh, it's in my book. If you read if you yeah. read the Fantasy Life book, it's you know an expanded version of the story. But uh, in essence, basically, I felt like people, it was 2004, people were starting to make money on the internet a little bit at that point. And I, I had a pretty nice following, and so I thought, you know what? Maybe I should go start my own website. Again, something on the side, but maybe I can earn a couple of yeah. bucks there. So I started TalentedMrRoto.com, which was uh, the website, uh, which was sort of my nickname. And I didn't raise money. I didn't go out to, like, a VC or anything like right. that to raise money. I, I scraped together a couple of bucks for myself to start the site. And, so, and I, you know, I, I grabbed a couple of writers, people that I knew were good, uh, good writers and good fantasy analysts, and asked them to come write for me. And uh, I basically knew that the only way I could promote it was myself. So what I did was I uh, basically went to every website I could find, every radio station I could find, every TV station I could find, and say, I will come on your air, I will write for you for free, I will, I will, you know, I will I'll be on your air for free, just link back to my website, just mention my website, just promote my website. Rotor World is one of those places. Rotor World let me continue writing a column for them, and they linked right. back to, to the news site, and, um, and it linked Sporting News, and MLB.com, and NBA.com, and I did a bunch of stuff. And of course, one of the first places I went was ESPN. And I started doing some local radio in L.A. I don't know if you know Steve Mason. Do you know Mason in Ireland? Heard, Steve, oh, yeah, yeah, Mason yeah, yeah, in yeah, Ireland. Yeah. So, so Steve Mason and uh, Steve was a fan of mine. And so Steve brought me on to Mason in Ireland. And I would do, uh, you know, I would do a hit. I'd do, you know, one segment, which would turn to two, which would turn to an hour, which would, hey, why don't you fill in for John and co-host with me, which turned into ESPN 710 in Los Angeles, giving me my own two-hour fantasy football show once a week. Uh, which and that led to me doing. Hey, why don't you do a weekly segment on on cold pizza? If you remember cold pizza, yes, yeah. And that led to uh, why don't you do a weekly segment on ESPN News? Which led to uh, hey, we'd like you to write a column for ESPN the magazine. And just kept building it. I kept right. meeting more and more people at ESPN, and they kept liking what I was doing, and uh, and the fans were responding to it. And then eventually, uh, in 2006, they came to me and we started talking. And, you know, towards the end of 2006, um, early 2007, they said, hey, um, uh, we've been talking internally that we need a we need a Mel Kuyper for fantasy football. We've wow. been, we want to we, we keep talking. We need to find a Mel Kuyper for fantasy football. We think it's big enough now that we need somebody right. to do that. Um, we like all the work you do for us. Uh, so we'd like to buy your website, move you, to, uh, move you to Connecticut, and make you the guy. Wow. And that was, uh, I moved to Bristol in February of 2007, so that was early 2007 uh, that that happened, and... Was it no-brainer for you? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a dream come true. Obviously, it's a, you know, it's an amazing job. I never, Ross, I never, um, you know, I never thought this would, you know, be a career, but what I found myself doing, and I, again, I talk about this a little bit in the book, in 2005... I uh, I was really depressed. I was going to therapy, and I'm like, I have this great job in Hollywood as a writer. I'm in this happy marriage. Why am I so depressed? I don't yeah. understand why I'm depressed. And after some therapy, I realized, actually, I actually really didn't like my job very much, even though it seemed like a glamorous job. I actually didn't enjoy it very much. And there were some you know, real fundamental issues in my marriage. Um, and, and nothing bad, by the way. There was no drama, no third person, anything right. like that. Just my wife, my first wife and I got married at I was you know I was 25 she was 23 we're just way too young right. and I'm so I'm at this point I'm 35 and she's 33 I remember us talking at one point and we said you know if we met today if we just met today we wouldn't even go on a date let alone be married like we were just weren't 
we just grew apart. You know what I mean? She's not a yeah, bad. I mean, she's a good person. We're still friends to this day. Right. Um, she's a lovely woman. Uh, we just we just grew apart. We got married too young and grew apart. Right. So just um, uh, so completely no drama breakup. We agreed that we should uh, we should split up. And uh, so it's 2005 at this point. And I realized that the only thing that was making me happy was this dumb little website that had a couple of thousand kids on it. I was going to bed at night and waking up in the morning just thinking about this website. So I, I said, you know what? I'll probably only make $10,000 a year. I don't care. I just want to be happy. I'm just going to chase happiness. Wow. And so at the end of 2005, I went to my writing partner and I said, I want to try to give this a go. I'm going to give up show business. Let's write one last script together, save the money, and then let's go our separate ways. And I'm going to try to make a go of this site. And so um, that was in 2005. And then... I, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, lucking out and uh, getting in with ESPN at, you know, full time in 2007. And at the end of my current contract, I will have been at the company 17 years. Wow. And I, and I, I think that your writing background and the sitcom background, I think that that has something to do with your success on TV, radio, and writing, don't you? I mean, yes. your content is great, but it's still entertainment. Oh, 100%. And you being able to crack a joke, have fun, make it light, I think is a big part of it. Well, I appreciate that, Ross. I mean, I, I've always said, like, look, we're all looking at the same stats. We're all looking at the same film. We're all looking at the same players. And you may like a guy, and I may not like a guy. But at the end of the day, we're all talking about the same sort of players. And there's only so many ways you can say, like, I think Mahomes is a sleeper, you know, or uh, I'm not crazy about Dak this year, right? There's there's only so many ways you can say that, and ultimately my ability, my writing ability, I think is what you know sets me apart. And when you know at, at this event, when when fans stop me or whatever, uh, you know they they never say to me, "Oh, thank you for Kareem Hunt last year," or what you know, or, or some of my right. picks that worked out. They'll, they they never say that. They're always like. I love the story of you meeting your wife. I love the story of you and your stepkids, you know, at the game. I love the story of you buying your house. I, you know, it's always from it's the always, book. It's always from the book or from my columns or right, from right. the podcast. It's always the personal stuff that people have when they come up to me that respond to me, and and so that's been that's been special. And you know, I when people ask me for advice about getting into broadcasting, um, and I would I mean I would say this, and you probably say the exact same thing. I always say like. The most important thing is the ability to communicate because you could have the best analysis. You could have right. the, you know, the, the smartest, but if you can't communicate it, right? I mean, like, I mean, I think that's part of, you know, why, why your success, like you weren't the biggest name, right. you know, as, as a football player, but because of your ability to communicate right. and be entertaining, that's why you've had the success you've had. And so it's, you know, I, I think that's an important thing. When I went out to Hollywood, I took an improv class. Not that I ever wanted to be an actor, but I just knew in Hollywood you have to do a lot of pitching. You have to do a lot of, like, uh, you know, presenting ideas and, and being in a room. And I said, I just want to have the confidence to get up in front of strangers and try to make a joke or, you know, be prepared for anything right. that comes at you. And I am not a good actor. But what I am is, is I'm, I'm comfortable in front of a microphone. I'm comfortable in front of TV. And I think that's vitally important is I had a kid come up to me yesterday ask about how he wants to be a sports writer and I said it's tough to just be a sports writer these days because so many major media companies one of the things that I think ESPN and I, this is what I think you're getting at Ross one of the things that I think ESPN appreciates about me is that I have the ability and listen I have different levels of ability at, at all these things but I have the ability to, to write a 3,000 word column 
to do a three-hour live television show on Sundays, to do a 45-minute podcast, to do a 45-second hit on SportsCenter, to do an eight-minute radio hit. Those are all very different you know, yes. uh, skills to host a 22-minute half-hour TV show. They're all very different skill sets. And again, I'm better at some of them than I am than others, but I'm passable at all of them. And right. so that versatility for, and it's not just ESPN, but any major media company, that versatility is super important in a, in a, in a world where media options are so diverse. I like your article um, that you, you wrote recently about manipulating stats. Yes. How, you know... <laughs> When, who'd you say? Well, it was Drew Brees was the same quarterback, right? Right, yes. It was like these negative. By the way, I, I had hardly ever seen a negative Drew Brees stat before. So it's kind of like, wow. Right. You, you can make Drew not seem as good as he is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, you know, stats are really helpful, but they can, uh, they're only part of the story. I don't think a lot of people realize. I think a lot of people think it's numbers. Here's the numbers for this guy. And when someone gives them a number and they're like, oh, he's right. But you proved that you can do it on either side. 100%. You can, every stat, I can talk up or talk down any single player or any other subject. And that, that's the point is that it's, um, when you hear a stat or you hear somebody say something on television, understand, even if it's presented as a fact, while it may be a true fact, it's only part of the story. It's the part of the story that that person wants you to see. Right. So in the article, if you, if you, you can Google it on, on ESPN.com, it's 100 facts. Uh, yeah, basically what I do is I, I you sort of, you know, uh, it'll be a little bit of a surprise, but I give two players and I say, which player do you want? Right. And it's the same player. Right. It's, it's, it's Drew Brees. Um, so I, just, I, I ruined that for anyone that's, that's ruined well, it. Well, I already ruined it, I It's guess, all good. But, but it's all good. But, yeah, but that's the idea. they got to read the rest of it. You can see, like, yeah. you, can, you can just see, yeah, stats are very easily manipulated. And, and so I cop to that. I say, look, I do it, and everyone does it because you, you don't have enough time. On, even if ESPN gave me 24 hours, you still wouldn't be able to get through every single facet of every player, every scheme, and things that you just don't know. Like, you know, is the wide receiver hitting on the quarterback's wife? You know, is, 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 somebody, is somebody a drunk? Is somebody hiding a hamstring injury because he's in a contract here? Yeah. Like, you just – there's so many things you don't know that go into success on a football field uh, that ultimately you have to try to take it all in. And just make a call, because that's what any of us are doing, is taking a small piece of a larger pie and making a call. What do you think is next for fantasy? What do you think is the next frontier? I mean, obviously, we're here talking at the NFFC. There's guys that are going to have in-game substitutions. There's about a million different formats. Yeah. And I I don't know if that's good or bad. I I guess it's good because people can play what they want. Right. But it almost... To me, it's a kind of overwhelming how many different formats it seems like there are now, how many different ways you can play. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I think innovation is good because ultimately, it, you know, the strongest survive. Like, not all these kind of formats will right. will survive. But uh, honestly, like, um, you know, a number of years ago, uh, these guys started uh, a thing called the World Championship Fantasy Football, which was like this high-stakes thing. And people would pay like $1,500, and they'd fly to Vegas, and they'd play for big money. I'm just like, wow, people are really going to do that? Who's going to fly? And they got hundreds of people to do it, and it's a, you know, and, and there's now a number of people that do kind of what high stakes football, and then daily fantasy sports yeah. uh, took off, and and so you've got FanDuel and DraftKings, like yeah, I mean, in game in game is sort of interesting, um, uh, you know, I, I think there'll be sort of like player prop stuff. I think with the the Supreme Court ruling about gambling, I think you'll see some more games that are sort of hybrid games that feel a little half kind of gambly, half sort of fantasy sportsy. I was going to ask you if you thought, that was going to be my last yeah. question, is if you thought that would help 
or hurt fantasy? Or, or neither? I think sort of neither. Okay. I mean, because, and I know that sounds crazy to say, but, you know, I get asked that question a lot, and I'm always just like, the idea that people haven't been gambling till now is ridiculous. Right? right. I mean, like, all we're going to do is we're going to legislate it, and we're going to take it out of the shadows. And so, and so maybe there's some casual people that weren't playing before that now might because it's right. easier. But for the most part, gambling's insanely popular and has been going on for a long time. And fantasy football is still popular. And and I believe that there it is a very different process of, of me saying like, "Hey, Ross, me and you and 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 uh, you know all of our buddies and Evan and whatever, we're all going to get together and we're going to sit around. And we're going to draft players and we're going to we're going to have a few drinks and laugh yeah. and we're going to bust on each other and we're going to go through the season. We're going to make waivers and pickups and trades and." That whole process and trying to figure out who to start and sit, that's a very different process and experience than, you know what, give me the Ravens plus five. <laughs> right? You know, and not that there isn't research that goes into give right. me the Ravens plus five. It's because um, there's a ton of different, but it's a very different experience. And so what you get out of fantasy football, um, I think, is very different than what you're going to get out of sports gambling. So I don't, I don't buy the idea. I ultimately, I will say in general, I think sports gambling becoming legal is great for everyone involved because all it's going to do is there is something similar to that that is fantasy. One of the appeals of fantasy football for media companies is similar to the appeal of gambling is that it gives you rooting interest in games that you might not care about. So for companies like ESPN that broadcast games, that talk about games, uh, that write about games and and discuss them, I think it's going to be great for media companies. I think it's going to be great for, uh, you know, I think it's going to be great for the players, for TV networks, uh, for people like us who do analysis. It's just going to increase attention on the sport. And so... Uh, I ultimately, I think, you know, sort of rising tide floats all boats yeah. kind of thing. So if you're asking me good or bad, I think it's good just because I think it's going to be an increased awareness about everything. Got it. Um, but ultimately, I, I think it's I, I actually think there's not as much overlap as people think. Got it. Well, I, or that it doesn't cannibalize. No, I, should say. I, I agree. Last question, Matthew. Uh, when does fans focus come back? July, I appreciate that. July 30th, very exciting. The uh, Fantasy Focus podcast uh, comes back daily on Monday, July 30th. And we have a big announcement this year. We're going to be streamed live on Twitter this year. So wow. 11 a.m. Eastern uh, every day. Follow at Fantasy Focus on Twitter. You'll be able to, we're doing it in front of cameras and be able to watch us do the podcast live on Twitter. And it'll still be an audio experience as well. Wow. And they'll still take the video clips and put them in the app. But uh, we're pretty excited about that. So uh, and we'll take, you know, Twitter questions and the whole thing. So it's a partnership between ESPN and Twitter and uh, Monday, July 30th. That is awesome. Thanks so much for the time. I'm glad we were able to do this. Yeah, Ross, my pleasure. Congratulations on all the success. And, uh, Maybe we'll see you around. Likewise. What a story. Am I right? I mean, I didn't know that. Married with children? That's amazing. I mean, I I was fast. I could talk to him for hours about that because I knew nothing about that business or how it works. I love that. I love hearing people that have diverse backgrounds and hearing how they became what he's become. Really, really cool. Hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. I know you guys enjoy winning, which is why you absolutely need to check out PFF. Pro Football Focus uses their exclusive data on every play of every game to bring you the best fantasy stats and projections. Make sure you join PFF Edge for full access to PFF's rankings, fantasy draft tools, positional matchup charts, 
and of course, their award-winning website content. You high stakes, dude? Step it up to PFF Elite, which includes everything in Edge, plus the complete premium stats database, green line game picks, PFS optimizer. PFF Fantasy leads you to victory with data-driven projections, the expert rankings, and roster advice all year long. From draft night through the fantasy playoffs, the experts at PFF will give your team the inside advantage. Join PFF Fantasy today and prepare to win. Sign up now at profootballfocus.com. Very, very cool what Pro Football Focus has going on. Very, very cool to talk with Matthew Barry. And very, very excited, Evan, to talk tomorrow with both running backs for the Packers, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, as well as Christian Kirk, the rookie receiver out of Texas A&M for the Arizona Cardinals. And those of you that listen to the College Draft Podcast know that I mentioned him a long time ago. His first game of his freshman year against Arizona State in Houston, I was blown away by his explosiveness and athleticism and talked about it on the College Draft Podcast that week. Awesome. Already excited for tomorrow's show. Hopefully you guys are already subscribing to this, so you'll get tomorrow as well. We'll get Evan's breakdown of the Packers and the Cardinals after we talk with the running backs and Christian Kirk and Evan has to hear what they have to say. Then he'll give you the insight. Plus, Evan's answering some of your questions tomorrow. So those of you that have taken advantage of any of the sponsors over at RossTucker.com, Evan will be all over it and all about it tomorrow. Anyway, we'll post a little bit later than it normally does. Usually we have that up for you Thursday early morning. This time it'll be ready for you on your commute home Thursday afternoon. Other than that, I am totally, totally stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.